Welcome to the Abundant Leaders Podcast. I'm Tenji, your host, a certified executive coach and leadership developer with more than a decade of experience advising executives, managers, and companies on how to perform at their peak and find deeper alignment and fulfillment. My dream is for all of us to live in the truth and fullness of who we are so that we can have the biggest lives and most fulfilling careers that are possible for us. It is all possible for us. Together, let us lead ourselves, our people, and our organizations with confidence, courage, and wisdom. This is our time to heal and expand, to thrive, and to lead abundantly. Before we begin this episode, I'm excited to share the launch of Discover What Gives You Meaning, a 90-minute workshop that will help you to get to the heart of who you uniquely are and what matters most to you and what enables you to thrive so that you can use this information to create a career that's more fulfilling in purpose and sustainable for you. Being your powerful, authentic, confident self is the key to attracting aligned career opportunities, building trust-based relationships and support networks, and achieving high performance and lasting leadership impact. Many of us spend our early careers building skills, solving for financial security, working hard to fit into corporate culture, and sacrificing a lot to achieve our aspirations. But when we've achieved all of that, we find that something is missing, and we're not quite as fulfilled as we thought we'd be, or we're deeply burnt out. Discover What Gives You Meaning helps you to return to the heart of who you are and translate this information into what it means for the type of career, company, role, and way of working that is a good fit for who you are and the life you want to create for yourself. Then it gives you practical, immediate steps to bring yourself into more alignment with your truth. This is the path to abundance. If this is what you're looking for, Visit tenjimoyana.com forward slash discover what gives you meaning or click the link in the show notes. Ciao, ciao, and welcome to the latest episode of the Abundant Leaders podcast. Today, I am back at home and I am absolutely loving it. Oh my goodness, I love being back home in my little office looking at nothing but greenery out the window. It is so calming. Can we just talk about how much power our office environment has on our mental clarity and ability to um, work hard (laughs) and have clear minds and feel kind of safe and nurtured so that we can actually take risks. There is so much power to having an amazing office and a beautifully set up space, whether you're in a corporate environment or working from home. That's a topic for another day, but my office is really giving me the kind of energy I need for this podcast. So let's dive in. Today, we're talking about expertise and the myth of, or the misunderstanding a lot of us have about what expertise is. We're going to unpack it a little bit. And later in the episode, I'm going to share with you strategies that can help you to embrace a more nuanced definition of expertise and things that you can do for your own leadership with how you set up your teams, people you hire, and your own internal mindset that can really support you 
to carry a broader definition of expertise so that you can feel more competent and less like an imposter at work. All right, let's dive in. So this topic has been inspired by some coaching work I've done with clients, especially new managers. And I shouldn't say new managers. I should say managers that are shifting from that junior kind of middle manager space into a more senior level of management on the cusp of what you could call junior executive to executive leadership. And what happens with a lot of these people, and you might relate with this, is that, you know, they start to really feel like they need to be the expert in something because now everyone is coming to them with questions and seeking leadership. Now, it's absolutely true that people are seeking more and more leadership from you as you grow and advance in your organization. But the way we think about expertise has to shift as we become more senior. Because the reality is that when we're young, right, we our definition of expertise is so um, uh, delineated, so isolated to our ability to deliver in a topical area, right? We're fresh out of university. We're very junior in an organization. So we've been hired partly for theoretical knowledge that we have. And so far, the only expertise we had was the degree we chose to pursue, right? In a subject matter, in the subject area. But now that we're at work, we start being used for that technical expertise. Like if you're an engineer in a plant, you're being asked to go and either create models or to go to the plant and, you know, design the way that the, or or help to repair uh, a piece of equipment that has broken down if you're a mechanical engineer, for example. And so you're living so closely to your technical skills. But as you become more senior, you're not really being asked to do that anymore. You're being asked to solve problems. You're being asked to guide the company towards value. And so going into the engine that's broken down to fix it is not going to help the company drive value at, at the high level, right? So you need to define expertise a bit differently, right? So that you can continue to feel competent, right? Because a lot of our sense of competency comes from our perception of our, our level of expertise and skill. And we need to understand that we are still highly skilled, but we need to be able to now leverage a new set of skills or a new way of getting to answers to the way we did when we were ju- when we were more junior, where we were directly on on the pulse of the knowledge, the model. We knew how the model worked. We, I'm saying the model as an, an Excel model, for example. We had directly interviewed the stakeholders so we know exactly what they said or what the focus group was saying in the moment. And we had a lot of sense, a sense of security in knowledge, right? And that the knowledge was at our fingertips and we had the source data. But that changes as we become more senior because we're more distanced from the source data. And so how do we change the way that we define expertise so that we can still be able to bring to bear our great skill in service of driving value, right? The way that we typically think of expertise, we think it means having the answer on the spot. We're in a meeting, someone asks, hey, you know, how much cash flow do we need in order to do X? And we know the number off the top of our heads. That makes us feel like we're a finance expert, right? Uh, Having technical knowledge, if we're coming to the table with our three degrees, right? We've got our bachelor's, our master's, our PhD, 
and a ton of work experience, then we feel like we're an expert in engineering, right? Or we're an expert in actuarial science. That's like technical knowledge, right? And, and it's in a subject matter. It is highly specific. And um, it's really, you can think about it as the subjects that we study at school or at university that there's a degree that we can get qualifications for or a department in a company that we can say that we are housed in this department so we're an expert in that thing, expert in procurement, expert in marketing, expert in advertising, right? The other way that we define expertise is thinking of deep expertise in a topic, right? And we think of it as deep. We think that, you know, we've done a lot of research in it. We've got um, years and years and years of solving similar problems in that particular area. So we can say that we're an expert. And when we feel, and therefore when we feel like we don't have that, right, we will feel like we're not an expert. If you're someone who's more of a generalist and you don't have deep knowledge in a topic, but you've got a little bit of knowledge in a lot of areas, right, you may feel like you aren't a technical expert. And, you know, you aren't a technical expert in a topic, but you are an expert at seeing the big picture and bringing disparate pieces together to identify patterns, to identify cross-cutting opportunities and interventions. And that is a skill, that's expertise, but it's not the way we typically define it, right? And the other thing that we look for when we're trying to feel like experts is official recognition, right? Uh, do I have a certification or a degree or have I won an award in this where I'm publicly recognized for having this skill? And so these things, these ways of defining expertise are a bit rudimentary. They're only the first level, right? I'm not saying that it doesn't matter. It absolutely matters because obviously as you get more senior, it's really great to be able to look back at this breadth of experience that you have and leverage it to solve problems, right? To be able to see where there's something that people who are reporting into you might be missing because you've done that job before and you've been in the level of detail before. Absolutely, it is helpful to know that. But when you get more senior, you need to transcend that definition so that you can really bring the type of value that companies are looking for from leaders, right? You're a leader not because you can go into the, the plant, right, and fix the breakdown. You're a leader because you can help the company to drive value and you know how to allocate resources to the right places so that the things that need to get done, get done so that the company achieves its strategic goals, right? And so... This definition of expertise needs to change. Leadership, like I said, is about driving value. The other reason that you need to shift and, and this kind of rudimentary definition no longer holds is that the global paradigm has changed significantly. We've moved into an information age and we've been in that age for some time now where a lot of a lot of what helps a company to really perform and succeed is its ability to leverage information in service of sound decision making, right? And so what becomes more important and, and it becomes less, okay, let me take one step back. Firstly, because of the information age, information is commoditized. It is less of a competitive advantage to you to have a lot of information on a topic because guess what? Tenji can go to Google. Tenji can buy a book. 
Tenji can attend a quick course on Udemy or MIT online and can learn the things that you know, right? Obviously, Tenji won't learn it at the same level of depth, but she can get enough information to be able to understand enough to solve a problem, right? So this premium on information is has been significantly reduced. And therefore, the expertise that a lot of us got from having lived the experience of a topic really deeply is becoming diluted, right? The other reason it doesn't hold is that the really the way that we solve problems has become more complex because the operating environment has become significantly more complex for companies, right? The market is increasingly fragmented. Consumers are behaving in increasingly idiosyncratic ways. Competition remains really stiff. Borders are so fluid and there is so much motion shifting that is happening constantly in our operating spaces as companies that the kinds of solutions we need to bring are now more cross-disciplinary. They are more cross-cutting across sectors, across geographies, across demographics. And so saying that I know one little pillar of information really well will not serve you in a company that is, for for example, a multinational or seeking to expand in a in a very complex operating environment like Africa, right? You won't be able to really be as um, as marketable if you're not able to take your core technical skill and translate it into this broader context, right? And leverage more than just your technical skill in order to drive value, right? Companies are sitting, companies have employees sitting all over the world. So a different way of collaborating becomes necessary. A different way of integrating pieces of information from different markets that have interdependencies will really drive whether you're going to have, you know, a, a leg up against your competition, right? So you need to think more broadly than what you were traditionally skilled in. And Really, lastly, for us as people, right, we're seeing so much that careers have become more diverse. We're changing jobs much more frequently. So we're often finding ourselves in different um, sectors, in, in companies that are at different stages of the value chain. We're, as individuals, shaping careers that are a lot more complex than they used to be. And so instead of actually speaking to, I'm an accountant, <laughs> or I am a mechanical engineer who works with aircraft, right? We need to start telling stories that are broader so that if we want to pivot in our careers or there's an opportunity that could be interesting for us, A, we're identifiable as someone who has skill in that area, even if it's tangential to our historical area of expertise, the way that we framed it. And number two, so that we don't count ourselves out on opportunities that may look like they need someone that has a technical skill set that we don't have, but we have enough base knowledge in it and a whole breadth of softer leadership, social skills that are going to be necessary for the company in that context to actually drive value. And then we can actually position ourselves 
more compellingly because we aren't just talking about a technical skill we're talking about this broader set of abilities that we have the things we bring to the table that help drive value and so that's really what the definition of expertise is evolving into so evolving away from a technical subject matter expertise and more towards an ability to drive value in a complex environment at a complex time right as a leader your expertise is the extent to which you're able to do that for the organization using a combination of skills in your wheelhouse. And so what are some of these expertise areas that you as a leader need to have, right? And how is that, this new type of definition, going to empower you to be a more impactful, more confident, more resourceful, more agile leader, right? The first thing is the ability to source the answer, right? When you're being asked a question, let's say in the boardroom, right? Or in, or in a meeting and, you know, the Exco is trying to make a decision around whether we should sign off on a new policy or not. And they ask quite a specific question and you don't know the answer offhand, right? Your expertise is not your ability to state the answer upfront, but it's your ability to, for example, go and get the answer wherever the answer lives, right? It's also your ability to work out the answer or get to the bottom of the answer and actually get to the right answer that makes sense for what is being asked. I can't tell you the number of times I've been in meetings and sometimes with senior people who are analyzing the wrong data <laughs> to try and answer a question and they don't know that they're actually missing the right question, right? They're not asking the right question and their team isn't gathering the right data behind the question. So both A, the question is wrong and B, the answer is wrong, right? So this feeds into the answer will be wrong because the data is wrong, right? You can have the correct answer for the data that has been analyzed, but if it's the wrong data, it's the wrong answer, right? So the next piece is really as a leader, your job is to ask the right questions, right? To, to see where is there a breakdown in the value that we're trying to create here, right? If we're, if we're seeing that our maintenance spend is super, super high and we think it's because um, we think it might be because let's say we don't have the right skill on the ground and this is a hypothesis, right? It's an unproven hypothesis, right? And then we go and we shore up data that shows that some of our engineers are underqualified or haven't gone for their retraining and recertifications when they're meant to. And then we invest a whole bunch of money into either firing people and bringing in new engineers or upskilling engineers, etc. When the real problem is that we don't have uh, the right analytics to, I don't have the proper word here, but basically um, it's advanced analytics, right? Our machinery is not informing us early enough in advance so that we can do preventative maintenance. And if we actually had that data that could help us to do preventative maintenance at the right point, then we would save millions on our, on our maintenance spend right? If we haven't framed the question in the right way and considered the right options and 
tasked our team to go figure out which of these potential options it could be, we're not gonna get the right answer. So that's why the third thing for you as a leader and the third area of expertise you're bringing to the table is the ability to actually ask the right question so that your team works on the right problem, right? And the next thing is leadership is really um, a basket of nuanced skills coming together to drive value. You hear me always talking about driving value and I can't say it enough because early in our career, right, we don't really talk about value because we're so far away from the strategic decisions that are being made about the business, right? We're not sitting at the room with the managing partners of the firm who are saying, okay, looking at the, you know, our, our economics right now, the next opportunity is an X area. So what we really need to solve is Y. And what we get is the trickle down version of Y, right? That's gone from the partners to the VPs, or to the directors, down to the managers, down to us. By the time it gets to us, our manager isn't even telling us why we're doing all of this, right? They're just telling us what to do. We're delivery machines. As we flow up and up in seniority, we start getting closer and closer and closer to the value origin story that the whole company is trying to drive. And your job as a leader is to pull yourself away from the technical expertise that is implementing the the what to do, right? And closer into the strategic insight and analysis and understanding that is birthing the strategic goal definition, right? And so if, if that is really going to be your job, then you start understanding, right, that it's all about value. And so as a leader, you need to be thinking about value. And value is not just this abstract concept of, or this tangible concept of we want to make X percent in net income, right? Our net, our net profit at the end of the year, we want it to be X percent, right? It's actually about, well, how do we get to that net profit? Well, we need, we need to bring, a, we need to serve a customer across all the points of their journey, right? That's the big picture idea. <laughs> All points of their journey require linkages across all the different parts of the company. This is an example, right? You guys by now should know that I start speaking in examples and just to make it more real for you, right? So if we need to create linkages across this value chain, there's all these BUs, right, that are currently not talking. How do we get them to talk? So one of the big things that you're trying to do is you're trying to not just say, what is the money at stake, right? What's the strategic objective? Number two, how do we get to that objective? Okay, we need to allocate resources behind every step, everything that needs to come together so that we can serve a customer cross-channel. So you need to start problem solving. You need to have a big picture view of what each business unit is doing and how they, what sits in their wheelhouse that will help to solve this problem or deliver this value at a big picture level. You need to think about, well, what's the enabler? Well, well if we need everyone to collaborate, what's stopping people from collaborating? Okay, what tools, systems, capabilities, culture do we need to put in place so that all these people are collaborating? And then you start asking, well, what money do we need to put behind each of those things? right? A lot of people will start with the money and then they'll miss out on enabling the linkages. And so it's obviously going to fall flat if you need the warehouse to talk to the store, 
and you don't have that communication because supply chain is very siloed against you know store operations which is also very siloed right and so as a leader your ability to drive value is not your ability to have deep expertise in supply chain or deep expertise in store ops it's your ability to see across this problem you're trying to solve and bring in all the resources needed to answer the question right and so that becomes an ability to think an ability to analyze critical thinking right um a more fluid big picture thinking right the ability to speak to the right people to get the information you need the ability to put together a task force that is cross disciplinary that can drive this project right that is very very different to the way you've traditionally defined expertise so if you've now come into a new leadership role you actually have to step back and say how am i going to help the company drive value in this particular area right and you need to start thinking much bigger picture this is why you start seeing you know it could be valuable if you're at the stage of leadership to maybe do uh an executive management course or program right because this way of thinking is something that honestly has not been cultivated in you and number 2 you probably have not had a lot of visibility into until you started really rising up in the organization and depending on the quality of thinkers around you they may not even be bringing that to the table so you may not have even had role modeling that you could emulate in this way of thinking right and so this flows into the last piece which is a lot of leaders and more and more now right the value of the generalist becomes really apparent because of all these things i've mentioned right the increasing complexity of the problems that companies are trying to solve and the operating environments that they're in the increasing diversity that we're bringing to the table as individuals who are managing complex careers right that have touched lots of different sectors and um different areas of the company the way in which um problems really get solved at a very senior level right the way in which value is created demands more of a generalist toolkit and what generalists are really really good at is knowing enough to know what the key themes are and then a lot and then filling the gap by leveraging others right getting the information needed for that specific problem instead of all the general information one would ever need on a topic right getting very specific information being very 80 20 right focus on the 20% that's driving 80% of the problem that you're facing the ability to then br- narrow down the challenge into its distinct pieces right and to be able to know that if i solve these distinct pieces we'll get to the answer i don't have to be an expert in one particular area it's bringing the whole chain together right and so the power and if you are someone who doesn't have technical expertise and you feel insecure because you don't have that knowing how generalists work and there was a great book that came out i i don't even have the title right now but if you went online right now and you just googled um the power of a generalist and just book right or leadership book generalist it will come up right read that book it looked quite interesting the thing is i'm a generalist who fully embraces the fact that i'm a generalist and so 
I didn't really bother to read it, but I think it could be quite insightful because it looked interesting when I read the back cover. But this book or other sources of information like it can help you to start understanding and reframing what your expertise is. Now, this becomes important because when you're now selling yourself as a leader, right? You're not selling yourself as a technical expert because guess what? We have a room full of technical experts that are specialists in the company at entry level to whatever, three years into the company who are experts in that area. I don't want another technical expert on my, on my exco. I want someone with the ability to think and ask questions and drive solutions, right? And so, you know, what, what it means, right, for you is how do you now redefine your skills? How do you reframe what you do for the company or what you do for your BU or for your team that really helps it to drive value? Are you really skilled at asking great questions? Are you really good at bringing disparate teams together to help them to collaborate to get to a great solution, right? So maybe you're an excellent project manager. Are you really great at building new things? So when a, a company is trying to go into a new market or build a new internal capability, are you the person who's excited to raise their hand because you're great at building things? You may not be great at running things, but you're good at building them. Or are you someone who's a real expert at turnarounds, right? If you come into a struggling division and you, you know, whip it into shape. Or are you the person who, when a company's in distress and they need to wind down a part of their business or shut down the whole business in, in its entirety, are you someone who can come in and efficiently do that, help to with all the people issues, all the legal issues, all the outstanding debts, etc., in the cleanest, smoothest, most cost-effective way possible, right? That's not a technical skill that you can say is, you know, defined by a subject matter area right? This is more nuanced. So I invite you to actually look at your career. Maybe you can pause the podcast right now and think about what is the salient thread that you've always seen has carried itself through in your career, right? And, you know, frame it in a way that can be supportive of you feeling and identifying and recognizing your expertise, right? Because then you can go to LinkedIn, you can, you know, update your about me section, you can maybe rephrase some of your earlier opportunities from being more task and action oriented to being more value creation oriented, right? And you can through that draw the salient thread that you can see has brought you through. For me, for example, my salient thread is one of them is problem solving, right? I hate operations. I'm not great at like at that kind of thing, but I'm really good at seeing opportunities for improvement and growth. And I'm a really great structured problem solver. That's why I was, and you can see across my career, this is what I call the golden thread, right? The golden thread across my career is that I have helped, um, I've always advised companies and individuals 
First it was in corporate finance, and then I did it the same thing as an interior designer, right? They come to me with a spec, they're like, oh my gosh, my face, feel, my space feels so dark, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, how do you want to feel in the space? What are the challenges you're facing? Okay, we need to break open a window, we need to change the color of the walls, we need to pull out this dark carpeting and all this dark cabinetry and put in white, because white is reflective. And through that, I'm solving their problem, right? It's a very different context. Con- it's a diff- very different context to my next opportunity, which was at McKinsey, where I was solving problems for clients, but in a corporate strategy place. Okay, you guys are stagnating. How do you revive your performance in this um, area of your business? Okay, let's go frame the problem, get down to the root cause, gather the data, run the analysis, present a recommendation, right? All of that is the same thing I've been doing throughout my whole career, and now I do it for clients. I do it for individual leaders, but it's the same thing, right? And so before I knew what my golden thread was, I thought that my career didn't make sense because I'd done so many different things. One minute I'm in banking, the next minute I'm in interior design, (laughs) the next minute I'm in retail, the next minute I'm in management consulting, now I'm an executive coach and leadership developer. Like what the heck, Tenji? Like make it make sense. But now when you listen to what I told you about client advisory being the thread, problem solving being the thread, now I know how to position myself when people are asking me what I do. Now, when I actually go into client pitches or I'm speaking to a CEO who's trying to figure out the challenge that their talent is facing, that they need support with, I know how to ask the right questions and help them to figure out what's going to bring them value. And I know how to communicate the value I bring, right? Because it's I, I now say I can solve problems in many different contexts because I've worked in many different areas. So I invite you to step back and reframe your expertise. So this has now bled into, you know, what this means for you, right? It means that you need to think more expansively about what value you bring to the market and what value you bring to your company. Because if you don't, you might get stuck in imposter syndrome because you'll walk into a boardroom and you'll see one person who's got years of experience in procurement, right? You'll see another person who has a PhD in organizational psychology and another person who's worked for all four of the big retailers in the country. And you're like, okay, and me? Well, you'll feel insecure if you're framing expertise in that way. But if you frame expertise in a more abundant way, hello, Abundant Leaders Podcast. Do you guys see why I've called this the Abundant Leaders Podcast? Because this way of thinking more expansively about your skills will bring you more abundance in confidence and in opportunities and in the ability to raise your hand to drive initiatives in your company that are going to help you to grow and gain visibility, right? It's more abundant to think about your skills in this way than it is to think about it in a very, very um, rigid way. So that's number one of what it means for you to redefine leadership in this way, redefine expertise in this way. Number two is, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about what you can do and then how you can do it, right? And and who you need to be in order to unlock this. So number two of the things that you need to do is 
think about what you can say and how you can support yourself when you're asked a question and you don't know the answer. Right now you've got some options you can use. You can say, hey, I'll get back to you. I need to, I need to consult the data or consult my team. Or let's have a follow-up later. Once I know one, two, and three, then I'll be able to give you a definitive answer, right? Instead of saying, I don't know the answer, right? So that's number two is, well, I need to know X, Y, and Z in order to give you an answer. Let me go get that information and I'll get it to you end of day, right? But the things we need to consider are one, two, three. So already you're displaying leadership because you're showing that you understand the key drivers and considerations of the problem or the question you've been asked. And so there's confidence in the room that you'll get to the answer. And there, it makes sense for people around you that you don't have the answer offhand, right? Number three is um, something you can say is, hey, I don't have the, I, I don't, I'm not sure yet, but the options for us to consider are one, two, and three. And option one would be favorable in these circumstances, two in those, three in those, right? So, you know, what are we really solving for here? And together with the group, even though you didn't have the answer offhand, you can jointly get to the answer very quickly, given the group knows what those considerations are right? That would drive whether you choose option one or three. Okay. Second thing that you can, so that was number two that you could do. Number three, um, third implication is how you build your team, right? When you start knowing that it's not your job to have deep expertise, it means that you need to build a team that has that expertise that you lack, right? You don't need to have to be the center who knows everything, Right? Get people who are smarter in the topics that you're weaker in so that they can bring their expertise to you and you can round them out with the things you're good at. Right? You don't want a team of people who are the same as you. You want a team of people who are different to you. You don't want a team that is less than you or not as smart as you perceive because you feel insecure that they might outshine you. You actually want a team that is much stronger than you in technical skill in the areas that you don't know so that you can really rely on their expertise to drive and to kind of for them to self-manage themselves through delivery because of the expertise that they have. It takes a lot of self-confidence and low ego to build a really strong team in this way. The third thing you want to think about is how you run your team, right? So what kind of operating model do you need so that you are equipped to get the information that you need when you need it so that you can answer the technical questions that you're being asked in a timely manner, right? So how does your team you know, work optimally? Do they need to collaborate amongst each other to get to the right answers? Okay, how do you foster that on your team? Do they need to be able to share knowledge and information with each other so that the information that you need is available for you? Do they need a certain amount of freedom so that they can go deep into problems without the fear of being micromanaged through it and a fear of making, of taking risks, right? Because really, Anyway, we'll talk about that another day, but the ability of your team to feel free enough to explore and dive into their subject matter expertise is the extent to which you're going to get rich answers for yourself as you're solving problems and delivering things for the organization. And, you know, how do you foster linkages, right? If your team itself doesn't have, like you might be sitting on the store ops team and you need to deliver against something where the skill really lives in supply chain, how do you create linkages between you and the supply chain team so that you're sharing knowledge, sharing expertise, sharing wins, sharing the accolades, <laughs> creating a healthy collaboration environment so that both of you win and you guys deliver what's needed, right? So that's, those are some early ideas around things that you can do 
to um, sharpen your expertise and to sharpen your expertise in this broader, richer definition, right? Now let's talk about who you need to be because it's so important for me that I don't just tell you what to do. In the spirit of my last podcast, I think it was podcast number five, when I was talking about how you can leverage your subconscious to overcome your growth limitations, it's important to not just focus on what to do, but also on who you need to be so that you do the things that you you want to do, right? Um, And you exhibit the behaviors that you're trying to model. So first is... In order to really leverage other people's expertise, you need to be able to trust others, right? You also really need to be willing to share the limelight, right? A lot of us, you, 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 you. Oh my goodness, I see this with my clients. And I'll have to be honest, I also see it in myself, right? The desire to be the one who knows and the one that people come to because we think we're called into leadership because we know everything, right? And we can do everything. And like I said, no, that is not why we're called into leadership. Yes, I mean, in a lot of companies, we're promoted because of that. But what we now need to do once we're in that role is not be the star, right? We need to be a killer, resourceful enabler of all the people who have the answers to bring the answers to four. And one of the best ways to do that is to share the limelight and pull in people when they need to. Like, I love, love, love working with Exco teams and especially in consulting when I had like an Exco member who would say, okay, in this Deerco, when the McKinsey team is coming to present to us, I want to bring this manager into this Deerco for the first 20 minutes because this is the person who's going to have to go drive it. And this is the person who knows the challenges on the ground. And I want him to be present to represent this aspect of the work. And they bring that person, sit back and let their, their team member shine. And then when it's done, thank you, team member, you can go because they can now pull all the things the team member has said into the bigger picture, right? And drive the value that only the leader can drive, right? So you really, really need to be so secure in yourself that it creates space for you to pull other people in. And I think you also need to overcome the insecurity of, you know, misperception, right? So you can face it head on. The truth is, as much as I'm saying this thing, I know that there are, there are leaders on teams who do look down at you if you don't have a certain depth of knowledge, right? And they're like, well, what do you even know about engineering? Or what do you even know about plants? You never worked at a plant, right? So you don't have a right to speak. No, actually, I do have a right to speak. And you need to be able to hold yourself enough, right, in the knowledge of your skill and your ability and self-confidence that it's no skin off your back that people are judging you because you don't have the years of experience or the technical qualifications and certificates that they have because you know what you bring to the table, right? And that's why it becomes important to actually communicate. And I, when I found myself in, communicate the value you bring. Let me finish that sentence. (laughs) So when I found myself on secondment in a retailer, I had never, I had done retail, but for a very, for my mom's shop, right? It it was like a a franchise model of specialty florist and gift shops. That is the extent of deep uh, retail experience that I've had. And I had it growing up because my mom made us work for pocket money. Bless you, mama. And so now I'm sitting in in this (laughs) Exco space and there's this, yeah, well, what do you know? You've never done retail. And I'm like, no, I haven't done retail, but I know strategy, right? I know how to make sure we're solving the right problem. 
And so what I actually did when I had to run workshops with store managers, I would come in and off the bat, I would say, hey guys, you know, let me just introduce you to who I am. This is, this is me. This is what I know. Now, what I'm going to tell you is I don't know stores the way you know stores that's your expertise and you're here because i need your expertise to really know what the challenges and where the opportunities are but what i bring to the table is my ability to solve problems and ask the right questions and bring it all together into a workable plan that is prioritized that can help us to focus our efforts and allocate resources to the right places all of a sudden that room of skeptical store managers sat down right and they just exhaled a little bit because they were like, okay, she's not trying to act like she knows better than me. She's very, she's shown what she, what she can't do, but now I know what she can do and I respect her for what she can do because what she can do, I can't do. Right. But together we can pull this together into an answer or a solution that makes sense. Right. There's a lot of wisdom, humility, and I think strategy in, um, owning, right? And stating what you are and are not upfront so that people know the value you bring and saying it without cockiness, but very matter of factly, especially when you're celebrating the other people in the room and what they bring to the table. Yeah. So I'm going to leave it here. I really hope that this way of understanding value has helped if you have experienced a little bit of imposter syndrome or you found yourself in a new role and you're grappling with how do I really drive value, right? It's not your technical expertise, right? Equip and empower yourself to share what you do and don't know. And one more thing that I actually didn't mention was what's really great, especially when you've come into a role that's in a different discipline to what you're used to, is to spend really as much time as you can upfront, right? The first month or two, just interviewing a lot of people, asking a lot of questions. When an acronym is mentioned, asking what does that acronym mean? When a term is used that everyone in the room seems to understand but you don't, write it down, pull someone aside after the meeting or in the meeting say, hey, sorry for, you know, for the new person here, what does that mean, right? And get the definitions and get the answers so that you can start bringing the value you bring. Because don't let a lack of technical understanding in something as specific as a technical definition, an acronym or whatever it is, stop you from being able to bring the value that you're being paid to bring, right? Because guess what? You are probably hired in, into this role with the company already knowing that you don't have skill in that stuff, right? I got my, my role in the retailer and they knew that I'm not a retailer. They knew what they needed from me. And so it's always important to remind yourself that you're not fooling anyone. So you don't have to pretend you know things you don't know. Everyone knows what you don't know, but lean into what you do know, right? And hold your ground when you're pushing people in an area of discomfort, because what you're bringing to the table may be actually different to everyone else in the room, or the way you're driving value may be different to what you yourself has traditionally thought of how you drive value. So there'll be a bit of discomfort. Just brave it and lean through it. All right, guys, I hope that this has been really helpful for you. If you liked this episode, you know, um, I do hope that you'll reach out to me. Let me know what you liked. Uh, let me know if there's an area you'd like me to go deeper into. My DMs are open for the older generations out there. That's my direct messages. So send me a message on LinkedIn or on Instagram and I will answer your questions or pursue a future topic. Have an 
awesome one. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope it's inspired you to take action that brings you closer to leading as the truest version of your abundant self. If you enjoyed this episode, please would you consider leaving a five-star rating and following the podcast. It really helps other people like you to find me and benefit from this free leadership resource. Yours in abundance. Until next time.